We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Rotoviz College Football Show. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe, and I'm joined by Jordan Hoover and Matt Wispy. Fellas, it's good to be back, all three of us together yet again. It's always a blast. We uh, we were talking a little bit earlier before the show, and there were there were rumors that Matt might be absent on you know the week of the the biggest game of his you know his 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 Buckeyes need his support more than ever now after that narrow narrow escape last week that they probably should have lost and he almost bailed on his team but I'm glad that he's here because now we'll get the uh, we'll get the full the full breakdown we'll get the goods the full bias yes the full bias. <laughs> It was actually... It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees a lot of fun during that ohio state maryland game i i was texting back and forth back and forth with matt and i was like man i really wish i was watching this game with you it would just be so much fun and uh matt assured me that 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 would not be the case (laughs) well at one point i said to you i hate everything you tried to cheer me up with a gif of a puppy and i told you currently i hate that puppy so I was not in a happy mood at many points during that game. <laughs> yeah, but all, all's well that ends well, right? Yeah. Do, do you feel like Ohio State took a hit even with that victory? I mean, I think it exposed what we all know. Explosive offenses are going to do very well against Ohio State's defense. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of what we were talking about to to begin the show last week where we were saying that maybe there's a bit of a bias against Oklahoma because – they're not this stingy defense or this explosive offense with a rather porous defense and just kind of how that was juxtaposed to to Michigan. And I, I kind of wonder if Ohio State is in the same boat. Now, Ohio State has the benefit of being able to play Michigan this week, 
uh, which we are definitely going to get into in a little bit here. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt like Ohio State was definitely going to get possibly leapfrogged by a couple of teams uh, and, and in, a, in a victory because it was very high scoring, giving up lots of yards, giving up lots of points, and, and getting out with a, a win by the narrowest of margins. It was very bad, is what you mean to say. <laughs> but, it, but, I mean, they put up, like, what, 700-something yards? I mean, <laughs> they were amazing on offense. Yeah. That's all I got. Is offense is still fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was it was a, it was definitely a, a fun one. We didn't pick it last week. We didn't have any uh, any any picks for it. So, yeah, I I had no skin in the game as far as like oh I need my my pick to cover. But I I really enjoyed watching it. It's probably the best game of the week as far as entertainment purposes go. I would agree. Agreed. Yeah, I mean close would be West Virginia at Okie State. We'll get into that one in a minute. But yeah, I I loved again. I mean, all these games keep coming down to the wire, and uh, it's it's just fun. It, it makes for you know. I wasn't expecting to to get into that game. I wasn't expecting to be super excited by it. But man, it was great. <laughs> I believe I said last week that when I saw the line come out where it was, that I was terrified by it. Um, I was right. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So game day this week was down in Central Florida. And we were just talking about this a little bit beforehand. Uh, why do you think it was that they, they chose there instead of the Iowa State-Texas game? Or even Notre Dame-Syracuse? Some of those games would have maybe been a lot more interesting uh, from a season-eye view. But they, they decided not to go there. Why do, why do you think that is? I mean, I, I think the reason why they went to Central Florida, you know, first of all, is the win streak. Which, you know, regardless... Of, of what conference you play in, it's still impressive when you get into the 20-plus territory as far as consecutive wins. And I also think that Cincinnati is, you know, obviously a team on the come up with uh, Luke Fickle, someone that Matt is pretty familiar with. Um, I may have said fire him a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like he's looks like he's doing, he's, he's pushing the right buttons there as far as their future is concerned. Um, and they also have, like, the, uh, the Lee Corso top. And I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of reasons why. And it was, you know, a, a fan base that, you know, we saw what happened last year, the way that their season ended and how they were claiming their national championship. And, you know, I, I think that it was a good opportunity for them to go there. But, you know, we were talking before we started recording about how the fact that Notre Dame and Syracuse were both Syracuse was what ranked 14th, I believe. Um and the game was at Yankee Stadium. All this pool, like, it could have been there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I see why they went to, to UCF, but there were a couple of other options. I don't, I don't know if you have any other any, uh, different opinion, Matt, or not. But I mean, I think, I think Central Florida and Cincinnati was kind of one of those fun games to highlight. It's why, I actually, I threw it on our slate of games to pick last week late just because I felt like it was an interesting matchup of – maybe less highlighted teams um, nationally. But at the same time, I mean, Syracuse and Notre Dame was the one game on the slate that had real playoff implications that teams really felt like there was going to be a, this was the last potential slip up game for Notre Dame. And I mean, I think what kind of showed was NBC having the rights to Notre Dame games in the way they do really made that decision for them. And we were kind of also, we discussed like why more networks aren't trying to push for this. And there's probably some conference implications where the conference is already signed over, but it would be kind of interesting to see like, what if ABC um, and Disney formally bought the rights to all Ohio state games? What if Fox bought all Oklahoma games? What if uh, CBS bought all of Alabama? Because if you did that, then you could see like this real push for these teams where we always kind of jokingly say that ESPN has an SEC bias because they have stake in them uh, in the conference. And we kind of say, oh, um, Ohio State being a national brand, they get all this push. And But what if it really was that these networks had these real um, reason to get behind a team and you could see these, these big highlight real things where you're seeing a network – put a lot of effort into actually promoting a team, it would be sort of an interesting thing because you have to think right now that NBC is loving all the attention that Notre Dame's getting. 
And the fact that they were able to keep potentially the best game on the slate away from uh, Disney and uh, ESPN, they're loving that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, money talks. That's for sure. I mean, <laughs> NBC's love it. I mean, NBC's really benefiting from Notre Dame being relevant again. I mean, they get a good viewership no matter what, but now non-Notre Dame fans like us, we were much more invested in these games than we've ever been before, you know? And one thing I'll add real quick that I just, you kind of sparked um, a thought whenever you were, when you were going there is um, it's, it's really good for, for NBC now, obviously, because Notre Dame is in the playoff picture and, you know, top four in the country. And, and they, they've stuck by Notre Dame, obviously, through some pretty thin years recently. But Notre Dame has such a following nationally that they can skate by on that. But then we go to another team who we might think of as a power, but maybe not perennially, like Texas, for instance, who played on the Longhorn Network um, this past week against Ohio State. You know, Texas, again, is another national brand that they might be able to, a major network might be able to skate by if they were locked into terms with them if they went through some down years. But I could see how some networks may be hesitant to essentially like become married to one program in the event that something catastrophic happens and they tank and then they would be locked into something like that. And that's, you know, that might be another consideration that's made, but it's definitely an interesting conversation. Yeah. I, I think that that's a really good point too. Like you think about, like USC with Pete Carroll, like just the power, just the powerhouse they were, and now they're borderline irrelevant. Now you don't think that's going to last too long, probably, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you definitely wouldn't want to be stuck with that on a on a national level because people right. outside of California uh, probably don't care too much. Um, I still love JT Daniels. <laughs> yeah, well, you, I know you've got big hopes for him this this next week. Um, but before we before we get into uh, recapping last week. I did want to kind of just spend a couple minutes on UCF and just just ask you guys kind of what you think is is fair for them. Like, say they continue to win, they they end this season undefeated. Do you think they deserve a shot in the playoff, or do you think that it would be unfair to keep a Michigan, Ohio State, or an Oklahoma out of it? I mean, realistically, if it comes down to them and Ohio State, I actually and this may sound weird. Uh, I I think they deserve it more than Ohio State. By every statistical measure, um, they're a better team than Ohio State right now. Do I think they've benefited from a schedule that sort of favors them? I do. Um, But, I mean, they're playing with a quarterback that's as good as most. He's probably the one quarterback that we should talk about in the conversation with Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa um, as being among the best in the country. But because he plays... In this smaller conference, he's not really getting the same level of push, even though they're going to go unde- potentially go undefeated for a second straight year. What sucks for them is I keep hearing people say, like, oh, we'll get in a bigger conference and then we'll give you credit. And they, It's weird that the public thinks that's like an easy task. I live in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's been begging to get into the ACC and the Big 12 for the past five years. They're Every opportunity that someone even hints at expanding, Cincinnati is on their list. And every year, these conferences keep like pushing more towards, well, we're going to keep our, our core. We're going to keep our teams that we want. And you only see these big shifts in sort of more established programs. And I, I feel bad for UCF fans because the truth is I think they're going to get left out no matter what because I think the committee will find a reason to put Washington state over them, or they'll find a reason to put um, Oklahoma in over them, or they'll find a reason if by some chance Ohio state comes out and just rolls Michigan and rolls Northwestern, they'll find a reason to put Ohio state over him. And I, I do kind of wish they'd get the opportunity with that being said, I mean, if they played Alabama, they'd open as a 21 point dog probably, and they would probably get run off the field, but it would be nice to see it. Yeah. I mean, just really quickly looking at their strength of schedule, uh, Central Florida, that is based on opponents S&P Plus from Bill Conley. Uh, they played, they've played three teams uh, inside the top 40 in the country. That's Cincinnati last week, Temple, and Memphis. Obviously won all three. They haven't lost yet. They beat Pitt, who is now somehow uh, in the ACC title game, for better or for worse. 
And um, yeah, I mean, and, and they beat an FAU team that I think has, you know, I personally thought would be much better uh, preseason than they turned out to be. But I think what it really comes down to is um, there's always going to be a bias, especially especially now that there's the human element involved. I know that, you know, the people on the committee, the people behind the scenes that make these decisions can say whatever they want when the cameras are on. But we know that humans are biased. They, it just is the way it is. And, and I find it very hard to believe that put into a vacuum, you know, those teams that you mentioned, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma, UCF, you throw those four on the table. And I just find it very hard to believe that, uh, you know, a, a group of humans are all going to be like, yep, UCF over all of those blue blood programs that are going to have of all of those fans and all that money. It's just kind of a, a, a sad thing that that's the way that it is. Um, I, I think that Michigan, you know, I think you can make an argument that Michigan, Ohio State, and I guess Oklahoma as well. I, I You know, I guess UCF probably has the weakest schedule of those four. But at the same time, you know, there's that unknown upside with the program that we saw, you know, against Auburn last last year in bowl season. Uh, it wasn't obviously in the playoff, but they stood, you know, they stood toe to toe with a traditional power in the SEC with, frankly, better athletes. And they won. And, you know, you can't say that that would happen again necessarily. But I think what it really comes down to is there there is a bias, whether it's spoken or unspoken. And it's going to be really hard for a program on that level to be able to overcome that. And to quickly jump in again, sorry. Uh, I mean, the difference between them being in the ACC and them being in the AAC, it should be like we should look at it realistically. Clemson's strength of schedule is 85th. I think UCF is something like 108th. The difference between their schedule is not that much. And the team that Clemson's going to have to beat in the a or the ACC championship game, UCF beat them. Um, and 45 to 14. By and they beat them comfortably. So yeah. I think the whole argument of pure conference is sort of garbage. And I think that people should stop saying get in a real conference because, I mean, look at what a real conference is. They they beat them. So I, I think that it. you're right. I think in a vacuum, yes, you could put them in over everyone. I think when you bring in the human element – it's just so hard to bring one that doesn't have the fan base of that travels in the same way that Michigan, Ohio state, Oklahoma does. Yeah, no, those are, those are really good points. And I, I think when all said and done, it's a long shot. I think Keith Cummings from CBS, he tweeted the other day that UCF is basically like working on an eight game parlay where they need everything to go right in all these different games just to have a shot. And uh, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, but I will say that the, the 2014 Fiesta bowl, will always remain, you know, a, a highlight for that program where my boy Blake Bortles, uh, he's not my boy. I am a Jaguars fan, despite him, not because of him. Um, but he, he led them to that big win over Baylor. Who hurts you? <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm a very sad, <laughs> sad human being. Um, but uh, yeah, Blake Bortles, 2014 Fiesta Bowl will live on forever. <laughs> but let's get into the recap, shall we? Let's, let's move on to happier happier things. Uh, other than Blake Bortles. Let's start off. Well, first of all, this is another really, really good week for us. We're on a roll right now. I think it just took us a couple of weeks to get into uh, into form. But I think now that we've been able to see what these teams are that we're picking on, um, or that we're picking, yeah, that sounded weird that we're picking on. Uh, we're not we're not bullying them. We're picking the games against the spread. And we're doing much better now that we kind of know what we're looking for. It took us a little bit, but we're, we're in our stride. And this was another great week. Uh, we, uh, we started off with West Virginia at Oklahoma State. There was a five and a half point line and this was the one I got wrong I I thought West Virginia would would win this game and, and win it by by over a touchdown and I was wrong this was a really entertaining game I just couldn't believe that West Virginia up late at the end of the game just kept throwing the ball when they had been having success running it and they just couldn't complete the passes to keep the clock rolling, and they left enough time on the they left they left enough time in the game for Oklahoma State to come back and win it. What did you guys take away from this game? I know um, my phone was being blown up by Hubbard texts, but other than that, what, what were your thoughts, Matt? 
Well, I mean, I, I said it before the game, and I like Justice Hill a lot. I think I need to preface this all by saying I really like Justice Hill. He's probably one of my favorite running back prospects. Chuba Hubbard is their best running back. Um, he is the most versatile back they have, and I don't know if they lose a whole lot by having him as the, the lead runner. His ability to catch passes is better than Justice Hill, and he's he's a really good runner. I think uh, Oklahoma State's one of those teams that it's they're quietly good. I, I mean, their record isn't super impressive. They have losses to to Baylor and Kansas State, and you you kind of just forget that maybe they're a team that hangs around. I picked them to just hang around, and I thought West Virginia would win that game. They you don't just have had to one... admit that. You don't have to admit that. <laughs> Man, I'm okay with it. I didn't pick them to win on the field. I picked them to cover, and I, I mean they did. So. Like I said, I, I think that anyone who saw the Justice Hill news and freaked out and all of a sudden jumped on West Virginia's side, Chuba Hubbard's good. I think he's going to be good for the next couple of years. So trust in Taylor Taylor Cornelius. Yeah, let's roll with it. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's my boy, man. He's he is like just very like kind of awkward looking, but he just gets he just gets it done, man. Like. I, I do not expect him to be an NFL quarterback, but I uh, every time like I end up watching Oklahoma State and I see him play, even if he faces adversity, he just somehow fights back and just does what's you know he he gets done what needs to get done. And I think it, when I look at their schedule this year, you, you you know you laid out some of their some of the losses that they they took early in the year, but at home. They've they've been pretty good. I mean, you go back to week nine. They obviously upset Texas at home um, this week against West Virginia at home. They hung close with Iowa State, lost by six at home. They got crushed by Texas Tech, like you said, but they beat a Boise State team that was up at home. On the road, they have not, you know, they haven't fared quite as well. They suffered some narrow losses, but I just kind of got the feeling that coming, you know, West Virginia going west. Playing on the road, it was kind of a tricky spot, and it's it, it's kind of a bummer. I, I was talking to you guys during or before the game, saying that you know I I picked Oklahoma State, but I kind of wanted West Virginia to win just to set up this week against Oklahoma. Took a little bit of shine off that matchup now, but you know still worth watching, but kind of a bummer at the same time. Um, but yeah, I mean it, there's just a lot of there's a lot of playmakers on both sides, and if you like offensive football, you know the this is this was right down your alley, and I think it's worth noting, uh, Stefan. You said to uh, you said you were surprised that they switched over to the passing game so heavily when they were having such success in the running game. And I think this might just be one of those situations where coaches start to think about what the coverage would be in the situation of a loss. I think you can, after the game, say I put the hands in the ball of Will Greer. And he was going to carry us to victory. Yeah. I don't know. Like we said this, like we cr- all criticized James Franklin on that fourth and five play because the first read was a run and it was a run to uh, Miles Sanders and it wasn't in Trace McSorley's hands. I think sometimes coaches start to think if I'm going to lose this game, I'm going to lose it in the hands of my star. And I think that's what he tried to do. And I think Oklahoma state's kind of proving they get up for big games. And I mean, credit to them they're they're playing well right now yeah no that's and that's a really good point too there is always that that element to the game and it's always easy to say you know like if they would have been running the ball and get stuffed and they still lose the game and like man they they played not to lose they didn't play to win and that's what cost them so yeah it is always really tough it's tough to criticize them in the moment it's always easy to to look back and say this is what you should have done let's move on to utah at colorado uh colorado was given seven and a half, and that was not even near close what they needed. We all got this one right. We were all on Utah, and I think it was just a. It's been a rough, rough couple weeks for Colorado. Six. Yes, and things just just getting worse there. It's it's really unfortunate. And they, I mean, they started off well. They they scored early, but then they didn't score again, and they just could not move the. They couldn't move the football at all. I think they ended the game with just about 30 yards rushing, 160 yards passing. So they were under 200 yards total offense on the day. And, I mean, Utah's defense is really good, so credit to them. But it was it was more than just Utah's defense, I think, that was shutting Colorado down. There was a, there was a lack of, 
I don't know, motivation or... Yeah, this didn't seem like they got up for this game. Did you guys uh, get a chance to see much of this one? I actually I actually didn't see any of this, but I know that going into the game, whenever uh, I was sending, you know, putting my picks together to send to you before last week's show, that I asked you guys, I was like, what is going on in Colorado? Like, did they fire their coach? Is he still their coach? Is he not fired? Like, I was seeing all this stuff on the internet going in every which direction and I couldn't get a straight answer. It seemed like, and you know, tack on the fact that they, you know, were they were and five in the last five games coming into this game against a tough, you know, well-coached, hard-nosed cliche, cliche, cliche team. Um, but like, it's true. I mean, that, that was an absolute horrible spot to go into. And I, I just don't really know. I mean, we, they started the season five and oh, I think we probably talked a little bit about how their schedule was kind of soft, you know, in those five wins. So we didn't really know what they were about. But, man, this has been an epic, epic collapse. And I find it hard to believe now, you know, if if there weren't already internal plans to get rid of McIntyre. And as of right now, I don't think he's been fired. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But, um, yeah, I gotta I'm, think I'm pretty sure he's out. Yeah, oh, he's already been fired? Yeah. Okay, well, perfect. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I think my takeaway from this is, remember when Colorado was 5-0? Can we just go back and look back on that fun time? Uh, they they were a hot mess going into the game. They were playing against a defense that ranks in the top 25 of defensive S&P+. They got handled, and they're, they're, their season's over. They've kind of quit on the year. They're just, they can't wait for BYU game to be over so their season can end. But Chenault, though, guys, we can. I'm. Always... I just finished a Debbie mock draft, um, and he went in the first round. Nice. I like that. I like that a lot. We can always hold on to that, even through the dark times. We we always had Lavisco for, you know, <laughs> for as long as we had in the season. <laughs> yeah, one of the things uh, that that was being talked about because I mean I'm I live right outside Boulder is they've been reaching out to a lot of the high school commits and and making sure that they're still on board with the program. And like they're they're one of their number one players coming in is quarterback Ty Evans, and and he reassured everyone that he was still coming to see you and still excited to play. So I think that played a big role in it too, getting an early push on trying to get new blood in there so that they can start working towards the next the next coaching, whatever you want to call it, dynasty that will <laughs> roll in to see you and try to restore order and get things back on track. But I think they didn't want to waste too much time, and I think they wanted to try to get the head start on finding a decent coach to come in here. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, for now, CU is in a bit of an uproar because things have definitely gone south quickly. Uh, Texas pulled it out. They were three point favorites at home against Iowa state. They ended up winning 24 to 10. This is one of the few weeks that I actually picked Texas correctly. And I felt good about it. Jordan, you got this one wrong. What do you think happened that, uh, that kept Ohio state from being able to, uh, to stay close. That's, you guys have both called Iowa State Ohio State, and I'm very offended. Did I? I said Iowa. I'm sure of it. <laughs> you, you've got it recorded. You can listen back. <laughs> We've I, got one thing on the brain, and that Iowa, is Iowa. Iowa State. <laughs> How dare you besmirch the Cyclones? <laughs> I no, honestly, like I. Wow, we're in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like going into this game, I I kind of was thinking like. It, it, it felt like Iowa State was really trending upwards, and I guess maybe I didn't ant- or factor in Dave Montgomery missing the first half enough. Um, and I don't ultimately think that's why they lost the game, but that is, you know, their, you know, arguably their second best player. If you want to put a King Butler over him, that's fine. But you know, he's an integral part of the offense, and that was, you know, a critical loss for the first half. But I. I kind of have trouble betting Texas as well. Um, I, I sort of went with the Texas as a favorite betting against Tom Herman. And, you know, that's obviously a pretty simple handicap and not enough. But it's, you know, I, I've had trouble with this team. I, I still wasn't quite sure about Ellinger if he was healthy and he got hurt again in this game. And we saw Shane Bichelle come in. Um, I don't really think he's been right for the last however long it's been, four weeks, five weeks. Um, it just kind of felt like Iowa State was trending upward, and I was kind of buying in. But, you know, I guess going on the road, um, 
And from everything I've heard, uh, Texas home games are not as, uh, I don't know what the correct word. Uh, Rockets. Uh, yeah, I guess they're a little bit more crazy nowadays is, is from what, a, you know, a lot of things I've been hearing is that their home field advantage is a lot more pronounced now. Um, but I, I do, you know, it's unfortunate for Iowa State, but I do think that I'm a little bit intrigued by Brock Purdy, their quarterback. I know that he uh, struggled against Texas, but um, kind of interested to hear if you guys have any feelings. You know, he, he's obviously still young. We'll come back next season, but he's I think he's played really well. And, and you know, given the situation he was thrown into, um, I thought he you know, I think he's performed pretty well this year. Ten, ten, ten yards uh, adjusted yards per attempt. And 13 touchdowns, just three interceptions. So for a young guy, I thought that was pretty impressive. But for for this game, I mean, it's a good one for Texas. And it makes the Big 12, you know, with West Virginia's loss. We've been calling it for weeks. The top of the Big 12 is maybe the most interesting thing in college football. Yeah, I mean, I think that we all were kind of not sure where to go on this pick. Uh, you said you went with just bet against Tom Herman as a favorite. And uh, Stefan and I... Uh, we're kind of just rolling with we think Texas is better and hey, they're at home. The one thing that's been sort of weird to me and the one thing that kind of stands out is I'm shocked Montgomery didn't really have much success running the ball. 3.3 yards per carry with only a long carry of eight in the game is surprising considering that Texas isn't exactly they're not a defensive focused team. They're usually a team that ends up trying to outscore you. So I was a little bit surprised to see them hold Iowa State to 10 and it, like I, I've been kind of disappointed with him this year. He was a guy that coming into the year, you could have made a case that he was going to be the top running back in this year's class. And I believe he's only averaging around four yards a carry. So I don't know what to think about this Iowa State team. I kind of was hoping to see them win because them against Oklahoma in a Big 12 championship game would have just been kind of a fun storyline since they were the team that beat Oklahoma last year. They gave them a pretty tough game earlier this year. but And they're kind of the anti-Oklahoma. So it's just, I don't know. I don't have a lot of takeaways from this game. It's good to see Hakeem Butler get 99 yards receiving. Um, he's really talented. Everyone should love him. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I picked Texas, but honestly, if it would have been, you know, six and a half points, I probably would have gone Ohio State. I, I, that time I did almost say Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa State. My goodness, I'm glad we're moving on. <laughs> I won't have to mention that one again. All right, Cincinnati 13 at Central Florida 38. Central Florida more than did what they needed to do to uh, make up that seven and a half point but Matt, you had you had kind of talked up Cincinnati getting into the going into the game. You thought their defense would be able to to slow down this offense a little bit. What what do you think took place that uh, kept Cincinnati from being able to really exert themselves in this game? I believe I also said that I was being a homer. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> however, I the one that my one takeaway is I'm starting to come around back to your side of saying where a strong defensive team that doesn't have a great offense against a really good offensive team that doesn't necessarily have a great defense. It's somewhat a bad matchup for the bat or for the strong defense. If only because it only takes a couple of plays, it only takes like three slip ups and a great offense exploiting all three of them. And I, I mean, Cincinnati seemingly just got overwhelmed in this game and they're a good team. I like what Luke fickle is doing there. I really like Michael Warren um, I think the team is going to eventually get some talent because they're starting to build a wall. God, I almost said they're starting to like keep Cincinnati <laughs> prospect. I don't want to say build a wall. You so, did though. You said yeah, it twice just, now. I said it. I said okay, three, three times, and it appears. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep doing it. <laughs> um, they're keeping Cincinnati prospects in Cincinnati. They're not necessarily getting the five-star guys out of, uh, and these school names probably don't mean much to you, but like Sanex and Moeller and Elder, they're all these really good programs. And what he's, what Fickle's managing to do is he's saying, all right, the five-star guys, the four-star guys that are going to go off to Ohio State, to Michigan, 
to all these huge local programs, he's saying, fine, but all these really good three-star guys, I'm keeping every single one of them and telling them, you have a chance to start here from day one. And he's kind of treating Cincinnati in the same way that Tom Herman was treating Houston. So I think it's just an interesting thing. I think they have a good future. I think they've been overperforming this year with basically just being a one-dimensional offense. By the way, if I mentioned Mackenzie Milton's really good at quarterback, that's he he was going to torch a lot of defenses. Yeah, I think that, um, like you said, the kind of one-dimensional offense in Cincinnati's been operating with. You know, they rushed for 252 yards in this game, and and they were only 23 yards. Uh, UCF only outgained Cincinnati by 23 yards in this game. So the turnovers obviously played a factor, penalties, et cetera. But, you know, based purely on yardage gained, this was much closer than the final score. But again, like you said, it only takes a couple plays. And with Mackenzie Milton, who can be a killer, I mean, he he will he'll throw daggers when when they need to be thrown. It's it's just really difficult. And I, I kind of echo what you were saying, Matt, about the, you know, the team with a really good defense and not so good offense, et cetera struggling um you know against a team with an opposing setup i think we're seeing more and more i agree i think we're seeing more and more that the offensive team generally you know just with their ability to strike quick it just gives them such an advantage and i think that i'm, I'm on cincinnati too i mean earlier in the year i i was really on them when they started picking up steam and i completely agree i think they're moving in the right direction and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what comes next for them because they are really young. I think I read somewhere they have 25 uh, 25 underclassmen coming back who will play significant, who have played significant minutes. So I mean, it it just seems like they're very deep, very young, and starting to emerge. So I'm excited to see where they go next. It was I I had noticed the uh, the yardage totals as well, and it just always kind of triggers me when the uh, these high rushing totals are are used as ideas for like good offenses. Like being a Seattle guy, Brock Heward is someone that I used to follow on Twitter, but had to stop because he's he's still this mindset that like you ru- you run to win football games. It's like no man, that is no. not how it works anymore. Once nope. you have the lead, it's nice to have a good running game because then you can run the ball and keep your lead. But to win games, you got to be throwing it. you got to be going vertical. I mean, this is what we've been talking about all year, and it just still just makes me so crazy when you see, like, the fact that, like, the Seattle Seahawks, for example, like, number one or two or something, like, super high up in, in, in rushing yardage, but total points scored, they're just middle of the pack. So rushing does not equal points and doesn't equal wins. Seattle's a 500-football team. Like, it's and it's just across the board, and so I get really triggered, and so I'm glad that I don't have to fight you guys on this. I'm glad that we agree. Um, <laughs> let's move on before I derail this conversation completely. Syracuse was only able to put up three points versus Notre Dame, who scored 36 at Yankee Stadium. Notre Dame's defense is really, really humming right now. They are playing such good football. I'm excited for them to most likely be in the playoff just to see what happens because I no longer have any clue what to expect from this team. Um, I did expect them to beat Notre Dame. I mean, excuse me, Syracuse pretty easily and they were able to do that. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I think this team is, is legit. And I think all of our outlooks on them has just continued. We've just been continuing to gain more and more respect for this program and where they're at this year. Um, not in small part to Ian Book, but this defense also has really stepped up. Yeah, I definitely said Notre Dame sucks after the Vanderbilt game. So to Notre Dame fans who are mad at me, uh, sorry, I was wrong. I still think you'll get waxed by Clemson. Um, I do. I, 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 I sort of went contrarian last week with the Syracuse pick just to kind of I thought that their offense would be able to score. Syracuse has been able to score a lot of points this year. Um, so I was a little bit surprised they were almost entirely held in check. But, I mean, Notre Dame's defense appears to be pretty legit. Uh, they rank third in defensive S&P Plus. Um, and Ian Book, I mean, he had another quality game. There's not a lot to say about this team. When they play teams that they are able to outmatch athletically, they're just crushing them, and 
I don't know. I, I we'll get to the pick later on this game, but I maybe I have to stop doubting them until the playoff when I'm gonna doubt them again. But yeah, they look really good. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think that I actually watched a good chunk of this game, and I, you know, I guess it's not fair to to pull it down to this one thing, but I do think that when Eric Dungey got hurt, went out early first quarter. I just you just kind of got the feeling that it was going to be really, really, really difficult for Syracuse from that point because he really is kind of like a guy that put the program on his shoulders at points. You know, he's really struggled with injuries through his career, but he's played through a lot and he's he's carried Syracuse to wins at times. So that was just a really unfortunate break for them. I think that I don't necessarily think that they beat Notre Dame, even if Dungy finishes the game, but you just kind of got the feeling that when that happened, it was just going to be extremely hard. And, you know, Notre Dame, to their credit, they handled their business. Um, we, t- we, you know, we already talked a little bit about the sort of strange tr- circumstances with the setting of the game, um, a lot of stuff going on around, you know, the matchup. But like you said, the defense is playing extremely well, especially against the pass, which I think is really important. Um and Ian Book, coming back from the injury, I think he looked pretty good. And as long as he's in there and as long as they still have the vertical passing element that he provides, um, or at least the ability to throw downfield, uh, opposed to Wimbush, what he presents. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I kind of agree with, with Matt in sort of the way he's thinking. I think we just kind of need to accept it at this point that – it might take it might it might need to be some sort of monumental effort to to beat them um you know we'll, like you said we'll get to the USC game but even heading into the playoff not necessarily say it would beat Clemson but we'll have to see what the uh bookmakers make that number yeah it it'll be fun i i love it i there's there's a lot of teams that i really don't like in sports i probably dislike more teams than i like when it comes to sports but for some reason, when they're good, it just makes everything better. Like when the Yankees are good at, in baseball, it makes everything better. Um, no, it doesn't. It does because it, it's good. <laughs> you need a villain, and Notre Dame can be that. And and so I think it's good for football. Um, on our one of our bonuses was NC State. Uh, I I told you to pick them because I thought Louisville would lay an egg, and they certainly did. So that one hit. That was nice. Uh, I'm always happy when my little bonus ones come through. So, so that was a good thing. And I did say as a punt play to play uh, Jarvis Davenport against Ohio State in your DFS lineups. He, I'm pretty sure, wasn't on the field at all. So my bad. He was a min price player. That's why you call it a punt play. But the, the process, you know, the process made sense. Like you, your reasoning behind it was, was sound. So I don't think you, you can't beat yourself up about those punt plays when, when your reasoning is good. All right, just a quick reminder to everyone that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $5 per month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of the 40 podcasts for just $5. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join our exclusive community of listeners. Access premium content and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. And speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com backslash podcast. Get ready for that playoff push and gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools so you can get an amazing value and support the podcast. Once again, that's rotoviz.com backslash podcast. Yeah, we do have lots of great NFL content, a lot of good stuff for you there. Um, to help get you ready for next season, I've asked Matt and Jordan to start getting getting ready. We're going to start analyzing some of the different positions looking into next year. So we'll start that next week. We'll start with the quarterback position, then move to running back wide receiver so that you guys can be totally ready for next year. And when you see all these rookies on these different teams, you know exactly who you should be expecting to perform. But let us get in to the Week 13 picks. I am super excited about this slate of games. This is probably uh, this is probably going to be the best week so far uh, from my perspective. A lot of good stuff going on. I've been looking forward to this Oklahoma-West Virginia game. 
for quite a long time. Now, Jordan, you mentioned this this loss does dampen it a little bit, but it doesn't matter. I'm still excited. I was surprised at the line. West Virginia, minus one. They are at home, so I'm, I'm guessing that's the reason why. I'm taking Oklahoma for the simple fact of the matter is I think they are the better team, question mark. Um, I think they have the better offense. I definitely think West Virginia has a much better defense, but I think Oklahoma will be able to score enough to win. The first team to punt loses? Is that, is, is that safe to say? I think the first team to get a field goal loses. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, I think I like your pick with Oklahoma. I'm going to go the same way. Um, this game sort of, to me, looks a lot like the Oklahoma State matchup. I I think it's going to be one. I think this game gets to the 50s. Um, West Virginia ranks 65th in defensive S&P Plus. Um, and Kyler Murray's amazing. So I'm not betting against Kyler Murray. I think he's better than Will Greer. Well, boys... I hate to break it to you, but I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go the other direction. Um, I love it. I'm rooting against them for the sake of Ohio State. <laughs> this is a tough one, uh, just because I've I've actually seen this number all over the board. Um, a, but I I think what it what it comes down to for me is I think what we've learned over the last couple of weeks is that Oklahoma's defense is an absolute liability, and I. Totally agree with you about Kyler Murray. I, I love what Oklahoma can do on offense, but I just don't really know if they're going to be able to stop West Virginia point blank. I just don't know that right now. Um, and I think that this is actually kind of a good bounce back spot for West Virginia. They, you know, all is not lost. They still have something to play for. They still, you know, can play in the big 12 championship game. So it's not all over after last week's loss uh, coming back home. This should just be a great game. I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but I will, I, I guess I'll go against you guys, be contrarian here, and I'll lay the one with the Mountaineers at home. Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm either team, I might try an onside kick after every score just to see if I can get the ball back because your defense isn't going to stop them anyway and nah. just, just be crazy. And you'll get one or two of them maybe. I mean, it, it's number one versus number seven in offensive S&P+. This game's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah, it's being so it's it's on Friday. It's on Black Friday, which happens to be my wife's birthday. So I will be sneaking away to watch it from time to time, and <laughs> it will be on my phone the whole day. So yeah, it'll be it'll be a lot of a lot of fun. It's it's going to be great. I I'm really looking forward to it. The Apple Cup is also going to be interesting. This is one of the first years in a while where Washington State isn't going into it as the underdog. So we got Washington at Washington State, three and a half points. I mean. I still think this Washington team's really talented. Their defense is still really good. They're top 10 in defensive S&P+. Um, I, I think Jake Browning sucks, but whatever. I've expressed my love for Miles Gaskin about, what would you say, 200,000 times on this podcast. I feel, still think he's a workhorse running back, even though he's having a down year. In short, Bill Conley's statistical profile projects this margin as Washington State by Point three, so basically a pick 'em. Since I'm ba- I'm getting about three free points, I'm just gonna go with Washington here. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm pivoting again. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Wazoo. Why do you hate me? <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I will say, um, you know, you pointed out that uh, S and P has this at, at about a pick. Uh, are, those numbers are neutral field, correct? I don't know. Okay. Okay, I'm not sure either. I I was under the assumption those were at neutral, which which to me makes this line about right. Um, you know, giving Washington State home field advantage here, but that's you know neither here nor there. But um, I just really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just really I I don't know. I just really like what's going on with Washington State team. I, I understand what you're saying. Washington is talented, especially on defense, but. I, I just believe in this team. I think they have what it takes. And, and I echo your thoughts on Jake Browning. I don't think he's good. He played really well last week um, against a bad, bad Oregon State defense. Spoiler alert for something later in the show. But I, I think this could be a comeback to earth spot on the road. Uh, Washington State, you know, I I just I, I think they have what it takes going forward. 
They're ranked 43rd in defensive S&P Plus, so they're not terrible on defense. I'll, I'll lay the points. Yeah, and I'm going to take the Huskies. I think uh, Miles Ask Miles Askins. I like that. Gas- there you go. Gaskins being healthy finally, I think it's going to be a huge difference. Uh, they do rely on the run a lot, even though I was just bashing on running the ball too much. Uh, they do rely on the ball. They want to get him involved, and now that he's healthy, they'll be able to. And they need that because Browning can really only Sucks. he can only complete passes when he has a huge window, and so he he kind of relies on that play action, getting the guy open downfield. So I think I'm taking Washington. I don't feel great about it. It's a rivalry game, so anything's possible. But it, it'll be fun. I I actually would pick if this was a true pick'em game, I'd still be picking Washington to just flat out win the game. So the fact that I'm getting a couple points with three and a half makes it just a little easier for me to do so. Part of this is my heart wanting it to take place uh, just for some chaos because I'm still kind of secretly hoping that UCF slips in there. And the only way they're going to do that is if all these one loss teams ahead of them end up losing. So give me the Huskies. If we keep doing this, by the way, one of us is going to have an atrocious week next week. <laughs> this I, I'm embra- I embrace this. I, yeah. I'm, I'm fully ready for this to, you know, I'm fully ready to be wrong. But I, I, I think that having these, you, will you know, a diversity of points is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Michigan at Ohio State. Matt, you're gonna you're gonna be the the end of this one. Jordan, why don't you go first? <laughs> I hate um, you guys. <laughs> well, I. Uh, oh, and sorry, it's I'm it's gonna, four and a half points. I, I didn't mention that. Yeah. Uh, again, this this is another number that has jumped since open. I, I believe it opened at two, um, and it's already crossed through three and four. Um, but I still. Again, I don't feel really wonderful about any of these games as far as like real money, but I'm going to lay the points with Michigan on the road. It's a dangerous spot, I understand, but for me, what it really comes down to is I don't think what we saw last week uh, from Ohio State was an aberration, and I don't think that anyone can really make that argument, and I think that we know how good Michigan's defense is, has been, continues to be, but kind of secretly their their offense has been like really efficient as well at the same time we didn't really see it necessarily last week against indiana but i believe that they're a more complete team um and and again this is a rivalry game so like you said anything can happen but i'll lay the points and i know that probably puts me against matt again but well, puts you against both of us again. This is now all three of them. All right, man. All I'm, right. I'm going with Ohio State. I, I'm going with Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think four Guys, and a we're half, in a fight. I think four and a half points is enough for me to to feel like at home rivalry game. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be up for the task, and I I'm still not a hundred percent bought into this Michigan offense. I know that Ohio State's defense has really struggled as of late. But I think they'll be able to do enough and score enough, more importantly, to to keep it close. Probably at the end of the game, Michigan ends up winning by a field goal. But but even then, I'm, I'm not so I'm not so convinced that Ohio State can't go out there and win this game. So the fact that I'm getting four and a half points, give me Ohio State. I feel okay with it. I probably won't put my mortgage on it, but but I feel good enough. I'll put your mortgage. I'll put your mortgage <laughs> yeah. on my on this game. Thank you. Um, I'm obligated because I'm not picking. I'm not picking that team. They can fall down a hill. I don't know. I I'm not picking that team. You can abstain um, if you must. I'm not saying. Um, I would. I asked to abstain. I was told I couldn't. So I'm gonna give some analysis and also end this by saying I would not put my real dollars on this one. For as much as like everyone wants to uh, crap all over Ohio State for the way they played against. Uh, Maryland. Maryland's one of those teams that's consistently undervalued in the talent they have on the team. Uh, 247 or 24-7 Sports has the composite rankings, which uh, is sort of a a model that shows, based on their recruiting, what kind of talent do they have, and they rank in the top 30, so they're a good team. After last week, they're now the most uh, explosive team according or using marginal explosiveness. They rank number one in the country. Michigan, for as good as they have been and how efficient they have been, they, they rank 39th in marginal explosiveness, so I do think there's a level. It is a slight step back. Karan Higdon's a very, very, very good running back. He's not as explosive as McFarland. 
rivalry game. Um, I, I'm I'm taking Ohio State because I hate them. I hate the other team. They can go away. And the Big Ten is very much rooting against my pick. Cool. And uh, avoid this game in DFS. If you feel like you absolutely have to get a piece of it, punt with Tariq Black. He's really, really good. All right. Let's move on to the Iron Bowl. This one's tough only because the spread's so huge. 24 and a half points. I don't know what to do with that number. Boys, tell me what I need to do with this number. Whichever one of you can convince me, that's who I'm going with. 24 and a half? To a laughs at that number. This number should be 40 and a half. In a, <laughs> they want to run them off the field at home. I would bet first half on this game would be probably be my prefer. My preference is putting money on the first half line because Alabama loves to cover those. Um, I do think two is out of this game by the fourth quarter, unless they Nick Saban really wants to just run him off the field. Give me Alabama. Yeah, this looks a lot like the game against Mississippi State from a couple weeks ago. Same type side spread, same type total. And I went with Mississippi State, got lucky, caught it by half and half a point. Probably shouldn't have won that bet, but um, I, I'm going to agree with Matt. I need to break the streak. I'm going to lay the points. Um, I just don't really know how many points Auburn can score here. Um, I think Alabama's defense, you know, we saw them struggle in the first half against the Citadel last week. That was, I don't think, you know, I don't really take too much away from that necessarily, but Alabama will be up. Yeah, right. Alabama will be up for this game. And like Matt said, I think that they kind of want to hurt them. Um, And we've seen, you know, this Alabama team we know can hurt people, can put people away with ease. And I just don't know how many points Auburn can realistically score in this game. So I mean, how how is this Auburn team any different than LSU and they're playing it in Alabama or in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, I, I know. You guys are right. And I I've been picking Alabama against those LSU and Mississippi State and I use the logic. Well, they if they're able to shut those guys out and do all that, then of course I need to pick them. So you're right. I need to stick with Bama. This being a rivalry game, you guys are also right in saying that. Saban's not going to have any problems running up the score, so they're they're going to go full on New Orleans Saints on on Auburn and just keep piling it on. Fourth and seven, why not throw a deep forty yard touchdown pass to Alvin Kamara just to just crush my soul in fantasy football? Sorry, I'm getting off topic again. No, I was uh, <laughs> like, that sounds very personal. It, it was, and I'm, we can just change the name to Jalen Waddle here. Jalen Waddle for forty yard touchdown. I'm just hurting. I'm just hurting. All right, Notre Dame at USC, 10.5 points. Give me Notre Dame. That's not enough. USC is trash this year, (laughs) and as long as Helton is there, they're going to remain trash. He needs to go, although I'd love him to stay because it's good for my Ducks having USC be terrible. So, Notre Dame with ease. I'm not even flinching at this one. Roasted. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. All right, well, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that these this is an example of two teams going in opposite directions. Um, obviously, we discussed Notre Dame. You just hit on USC. Um, you know, USC is potentially without Ware and Carr. Uh, both are questionable running backs. They they account for over two thirds of the team's rushing yardage. If that happens, then that's going to put a lot more on JT Daniels, who has thrown seven interceptions in the last five games who now faces Notre Dame's pass defense, which we just talked about, one of the best in the country. Does not look like a good equation to me. Um, I don't, again, I don't really love laying double digits on the road, but I think Notre Dame knows what they need to do, and I think that they're focused. So I'll lay the points. It hurts my heart picking against JT Daniels. I don't know why I've grown so fond of him, but I really have grown very fond of JT Daniels this year. Um I, I said earlier, I'm done picking against Notre Dame until the playoff, and it's not playoff yet. There you go. That's easy enough. All right, we've got the Civil War, Oregon at Oregon State. Oregon needs to win by more than two touchdowns. Do you think they can do it, Jordan? Solidarity, brother. I'm, I'm with you on, uh, well, I guess I should assume <laughs> that I'm with you. I've um, picked against <laughs> them as many times as I've picked them. <laughs> I mean, I don't really have... But I don't have a terribly strong lean here. What I know most is that Oregon State's defense is 
extremely vulnerable. Like we were talking about Oklahoma's defense, Ohio State's defense, Oregon State's defense is actually really, really bad. And I think Oregon has enough talent to get it done. It's it's a it's a very, very weak lean for me, but I will lean Oregon here and I'll lay the points. I guess I mean I'm really torn on this game. I would actually I would prefer to see Oregon State win this game from spite perspective because my team's terrible this year. Whatever. Give me Oregon because they're the much <laughs> better team. If you want, I, here's another fun punt play because I just saw he's 3,500 on the uh, Friday night slate. Noah Togai for Oregon State. He has three touchdowns in six games. Uh, he is a bit of a, a punt but he was last year one of their biggest contributors in the passing offense. He had very similar market share numbers to uh, some of the better tight ends in the country. Like I said, he's a punt. He's cheap. He has on 10 catches this year, has three touchdowns. He's fun. Yeah, and and you know Oregon State's going to score at least a few touchdowns, so it's not terrible. Um, I'm obviously going to go with my Ducks. They have given me hope. They've broken my heart. And once again, I'm going to ride with them because – I'm a fool. Uh, this last week, they they had a very interesting game against Arizona State. They were playing really well to, to begin the game. Looked super comfortable. Herbert looked awesome. They were spreading the ball around, but really going downfield a lot. I mean, he connected with Dylan Mitchell for a huge touchdown. Uh, 57 yards, I believe it was. And yeah, they just looked good. Second half, they kind of went into their shell, stopped throwing the ball deep. I think at one point, Herbert went uh, three for 10 for like, 18 yards or something terrible in the second half. It was not looking good for a while, and they almost ended up losing the game because of it. It was a bit of a bummer because I ended up staying up way too late watching this game. When uh, my wife was calling me into the bedroom for other things, I was distracted by football, and that is a shame, and it should never be done again. But uh, my love for Oregon is too strong, uh, so I will remain steady with the Ducks. Um, hopefully they don't break my heart once again. Not that it really matters because they don't have an awful lot to play for at this point. But yeah, Civil War, I think they'll get up for it. It's a big game for them. They they hate Oregon State so much that uh, I think that might be enough to uh, to make sure they keep pouring on the points. And with Jordan, regards to Yeah, sorry. please, go ahead. With regards to Herbert, I just I've, there's been a lot of reports now that he's leaning towards staying in school. I think that would be stupid. Uh, Justin Herbert has not been a guy to play full season so far. And the fact that he has not missed a game this year and he's, I mean, he's been pretty solid this year, probably lower than expectations in a bad QB class. This is his chance to go top five in the draft. Justin Herbert, if you, for some way you stumbled into this podcast, go pro, uh, you'll end up on the giants. It'll be all fine. And, and give me a call. I'd love to chat by the way. <laughs> Same season. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jordan, you, you've got a, a bonus pick for us. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to mention real quick, you know, obviously there's a ton of huge matchups, marquee programs. You will have enough to watch all weekend, I'm sure. But Utah State goes to Boise State, which is, again, kind of an off-the-radar, sneaky good game, potentially. And right now, the number that I see um, – Utah State is getting around two and a half points. I like them or the money line. Um, they Bill Conley's S&P Plus loves Utah State. Uh, have them winning by five points against Boise State, I believe, on a neutral. So just kind of uh, something to keep your eye out if you're looking for something a little more off the board. And I, I'm going back to Cincinnati for my bonus pick of the week. I said that the reason they got run off the field by – a uh, good UCF team is because they were playing against a really good offense. Uh, this matchup actually favors them a lot better. Uh, East Carolina, even though for the past decade has been an air raid offense that goes crazy and puts up points, this year they rank 117th in offensive S&P+. Uh, Cincinnati at home has been a good team. Uh, not quite three touchdown favorite. Give me UC. At minus 18 and a half. That's a good one. My my bonus for this week is Florida for Florida State. Florida's only favored by five and a half. I think they easily win by a touchdown. I think that's going to be one of those games you don't actually want to watch because it won't be fun. <laughs> it's going to be ugly. But uh, I'm going to go with Florida to, uh, to win by at least a touchdown there. So that five and a half doesn't scare me off. But this is going to be an awesome week. This is going to be so much fun. There's so much on the line for all these teams. And we're going to get a really good idea of what this playoff picture is going to end up looking like. So 
I I think there'll be a couple of teams that uh that lose that end up yeah knocking themselves out of contention. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's a For good sure. slate. Good slate, boys. Good slate. All right, gentlemen. If you could let our loyal listeners know where they can find you, please. You can find me at Wispy the Kid on Twitter, and you can find my work over at Rotoballer, the Dynasty League scouting series. And I'm on Twitter at jhoover9787, and my writing can be found on rotoviz.com. Awesome. And I'm at StayFunLaco on the Twitter bot. Check me out there. All right, and please follow the show at Rotoviz CFB Show on Twitter, and you can get some last-minute picks on there. Matt and I and Jordan always jump on there before games and and let you know what you need to be doing. So check that out as well. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to another awesome episode next week where we can talk about some of these crazy games and get into a lot of shenanigans and nonsense. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Validate 29 to 92 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.